Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is Danae Palmer, who's going to talk to us about her new book, Baptized by Love, How I Found Present Joy and Never Let It Go. Never let it go. Boom. That's not even a song. I just felt like singing it. Uh Danae's ability to unflinchingly express her raw innermost thoughts and feelings during moments of darkness and coming into her own light provide a powerfully transforming read. This memoir is a story of forgiveness, redemption, and the restoration of self-love and abundant joy. A resounding promise that no matter the heartbreak, violence, or trauma you've experienced, you can use your pain to uncover a life of present joy. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Danae is going to talk about uh, why love is a lack of judgment, why we should choose to face ourselves instead of trying to better ourselves, and why any conditions we place in ourselves is an act of betrayal. Oh, damn, Gina. She also shares with us why the ego brags, but love celebrates. I really love that. The ego brags, but love celebrates. So we're going to learn how to do that. And if we want to give wholeheartedly, we have to give our whole, we have to give to our whole heart. And then last thing is uh, we have to quit trying to add to ourselves. And we share so much more. She shares her story of addiction and rehab, and uh, she attempted suicide and shares with us how she found courage, strength, and hope to keep moving forward. Without much ado, Danae Palmer. Joy is its kind of a quiet essence of okayness at what I would call that divine spark within us that rests within us at all times. If we aren't getting into our head about some kind of um, story we're telling ourselves or believing some kind of um, programming from our childhood, you know, the conditioning that that makes us resist what's coming our way in our lives. And we start shooting on ourselves, you know, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. That's talk about something that robs your joy, right? <laughs> because there's no such thing as should. That's a made up experience. That's a made up story. There's no should. There's only what is. And recognizing that what is, is, is resting in the quiet joy of being. I love that because I definitely should myself to death. And <laughs> and I recognize that a lot of those shoulds come from other people's expectations. It comes from the expectations of my parents, of society, of social media, of my teachers. And I think that's, you know, I turned 46 recently. And I think that part of the midlife crisis that people talk about is that you recognize you've been living most of your life up to that point on someone else's programming, uh, you know, trying to live someone else's story. And then you tr- get into your forties and you recognize that that no longer serves you. It no longer works for you. It no longer brings you peace and joy. I, I, I mean, and, and that's when a real work begins. That's when it becomes scary yeah. because now you, you, you have to create your own story and you're like, well, I don't, how do I separate my story from everybody else's? Right, right. And so often when, when, we're, when we're faced with crisis in our life, you know, that critical moment where we, where we choose to face ourselves, 
you know, rather than, you know, what we have a tendency to do, as long as we think we can get away with it, we have a tendency to try to better ourselves, right? So we, we read the next improvement book or we do the next seminar or whatever, and but we don't come back home to ourselves. And so we're always trying to add something new to our storyline, but we're not our storyline. We are the essence of being beneath the storyline. And so when we finally decide, you know, wait a minute, I don't want I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, walking around in the storyline written by someone else. I want to know myself, you know, like that, like one of the most famous statements of, of all spiritual literature, anything, know thyself. And it's critical. Know thyself is really letting go of all the judgments, all the conditioning. All, all of the things that you've been told you were supposed to be, to just be present within yourself, you know, sometimes it just starts out with taking that deep breath, right? And just letting the rest lead. And then it's starting to question the thinking that you have in your mind. You know, I remember when I first started changing my life, I started questioning everything. Well, where did I come up with that idea? Oh, that was from such and such. Do I really agree with it? Or did I just think I was supposed to feel that way? Well, how much pain has that been causing me? Am I willing to let that go in favor of this present moment of joy that I could experience without it? Yes, I am. And just peeling back each one of those things and questioning, being really willing to question the conditioning of my mind. Because it didn't come from me. It was the shit I adopted out of the parents and the you know, like you said, social media, the expectations of of uh, all of the adults and and the primary figures in my life. And when no, when when I couldn't live with that reality that I had been walking in, I had to make another choice. And I think we all come to that place at a certain point in our lives, like you said, in your forties. Danae, you you said so many powerful things that I want to unpack. <laughs> I'm okay. too. I'm too excited right now. I'm too. Giddy. I'm not even. I'm not even in a joyful place. I'm in a giddy space. I want to go back to when you said, "Choose to face ourselves instead of bettering ourselves." Yeah. And and here's why that resonates for Leo Flowers. And yes, I refer to myself in a third person. Um, <laughs> I recognize that in trying to be better than my dad, be better than other people. I'm, that means I'm coming from a place of I'm not accepting who I am and who they are and who we are. And it can place me into a state of inadequacy. Because if I was, yes. if I was content and joyful with who I am, then there's no need to be better. And if I can interject here, you, yes, can't, really, you can't really improve on who you truly are. You can take, you can learn new techniques, you can learn new skills, you can, you can, you can improve your um, pedigree, but you can't really, who you are is complete and whole. Itself. But until you face that and quit trying to add something to yourself, you, you don't realize there's nothing wrong with you. And it's such a crucial um, aspect of living in present joy is to realize there's nothing wrong with you. The way that you are, that's the only way you could be. How do you know? That's the way you are. I absolutely love that. You know what's so funny, Danae, is I just, because I've been going through some depressive spells lately, crying, uh, sleeping for four hours, waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, just kind of, you know, that kind of breaking down in the shower kind of thing. I've been going through that for 
ever since daylight savings time, to be honest. And one of the things that I do when I recognize these depressive spells is I unplug from most things. I stop reading the self-help books. I don't read the news. I don't watch the news. I use it as a time to lean into laughter and joy. So yes. I watch a lot of comedy stuff and I stop trying to improve myself. And when I tell you, I find more peace and joy in that space than like, I got to listen to the next, next, uh, you know, self-help book or the next, you know, hot 10 ways to blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, just to let go and just be. Yes. It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. It's, it's so, it, you know, it's, it seems so contrary to the conversation out there in the world, right? You know, that's the, constantly improve yourself, make more, do more, that, 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 you know, and, and then we wonder why all of our energy is depleted because we've left ourselves behind on the quest to become something else. You can't be something else and be happy. You are what you have. You are the great gift, of, the, of, of you in the universe, you know, and, and to love that, to just relax into that is where, where we really rest in present joy. I, I love that. And, you know, you brought up something else that was beautiful in terms of, you know, the conditioning is, is really the voice of the shoulds in our mind. Yeah. And we forget that we have the power to be the conditioner, right. right? Right. Like I put the conditioning in my hair. I, like nobody else is putting the condition. I, well, I don't have hair on bald, but <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> but we spend most of our lives letting other people put conditioner or conditioning in our head. And then we realize that we are the conditioner. I'm the conditioner. Right. I determine the conditions. I determine the circumstances. I determine the boundaries of exactly. my life. And that can be scary. Mm -hmm. It can be scary, but it can also be extremely liberating. Mm. Tell me more. Because at first it's scary because you're used to accepting the conditions that other people have placed on you. The conditioning of um, what a good person should be, all the things you've adopted from your primary um, figures in your life uh, growing up. And, if you start to get that um, experience, which all of us run up against, sometimes we try to stay ahead of it, but we start to have an experience where we're just not satisfied. No matter how hard we try, we're just not satisfied. And it's because we have stepped away from our true being, right? And so we've let the conditioning tell us who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to act, and we, don't, we won't ever measure up to somebody else's idea. Because they won't ever know us like we know thyself, right? And so, and so, if once we turn back, turn ourselves, you know, turn ourselves back around to ourselves, really, and and decide, okay, wait a minute, only I'm telling myself those conditions I adopted belong to me now. I'm the one that's saying I'm not good enough, that I need to do this, I need to make more, I need to improve myself, I need to be better at this. I'm the one that's telling myself all that now. Is that, is that the way I want to keep treating myself? You know, for me, to recognize that love is the, is the, the z zero point, the common denominator that connects us all, love is the essence of my being. And anything that deviates from that 
I'm begin I I'm betraying myself on some level. And so if it isn't loving, I'm lying to myself. If it isn't loving, I'm lying to myself. <laughs> Please hold on. Hold let's slow everything <laughs> down, people. Everybody take a seat and relax, put your feet up. You said you are betraying yourself. I want to dig more into that because so much talk is about infidelity and cheating and how to know if someone else is cheating on you. There's not enough talk on how to detect when we are betraying ourselves. Danae, can you please go deeper into that? Okay. So every time that I tell myself that who I am isn't enough, I have I'm betraying myself. I'm all I've got. <laughs> How could it not be enough? It, that is my gift to the world, right? And so rather than, okay, or if I'm telling myself I need to be better in order to be happy, I need to have these things in order to get that. Those are all that conditioning I'm placing on myself. And if it's not loving, say I say, uh, if I'm telling myself, um, I... I want to get to know Leo because it feels yummy inside. That's not betraying myself. That's being true to myself because it feels loving. It feels, it feels good, right? But as soon as I go, you, you don't get to have this because, until you have this, Danae. Any of the conditions I place on myself, I'm betraying the nature of who I am right now. And so it's, it's easy enough to tell. I call it your yummy stat. Does it feel yummy? The decisions I make inside, you know, anything that I'm doing, if it doesn't feel yummy, I probably stepped out of the present moment and away from my essence of being. It feels icky. That's how I know. It doesn't feel so good. And so that's the moment where I can question what's going on in my mind that's telling me that this moment, who I am, is not enough. I love that. And I love that you use the word yummy because it's a, that's another word that you know when we think about yummy we also think about touching ourselves like mm, like we lick our lips we go that was mm-hmm. yummy we we turn into ourselves right yeah. and i recognize that it's touching myself because we grew up with touching yourself having such a negative connotation right that we don't realize the value and how soothing Mm-hmm. healthy touch is to ourselves. So now we're all walking around with gloves and, and clothes and sweats. <laughs> and we're, 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 we have all these layers on, I mean, literally to prevent ourselves from touching ourselves. Right. And I think that's why so many, you know, I want to take yoga class. People are crying because you're in there with right. minimal clothes and you actually have an opportunity to touch yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to open up, I had the same experience with yoga back in the early days, you know, and, and I just felt like I was, um, I was allowing my, my, my body to express the, not even so much. First, of course, you start to release pain, right? But then you start to release joy that you haven't given yourself permission to have. Like just to be happy because you happen to be alive. Somehow that seems against the rules, you know? And and as you start to experience that and and all the time, that that's whole my whole thing, you know. And, and you know, you know that thing about that when you smile, you release endorphins, right? And so why not smile? 
you know, and what a gift you give yourself and everyone else. It's another way we touch ourselves, right? And, you know, um, I'm always immediately my hand goes to my heart, right? My hand goes to my heart. It's it's this little, it, it's just a centering technique of loving, of loving me and then opening up and loving what this moment and everything in it and everyone in it, you know? And I remember I back in the day, you know, kind of put my Baptized by Love book, this transformation period when, think, you know, when I was ready to kill myself, right? And even tried, I failed. That's why I'm here. <laughs> but um, I had this experience where I was just desperate and I was just like, said this little prayer, you know, help me love this little girl in me who feels so unlovable and so unworthy right now. And I just had this image come into my mind of, of my, my son Lucas and holding him after nursing him and with this little head between my breasts, you know, and just this amazing love was flowing through me. And then I had the sense that mine was the head um, that being held by the divine. And I realized that circle of divine love that flows through all of us. And I had that just really a tactile experience with it. But I, my hands were right here on my heart the whole time. And that's been like a common thing for me. And even if things are starting to go wacko, you know, some situation that I'm, and my energy is residing up here in my head, that's, it feels icky when your energy is residing up here in your head. I can place my hand in my heart and just take a breath. And bring the energy back down and feel that love space and then look again at the situation that's going on does it feel yummy or does it feel icky what choice do i need to make now oh my, my girlfriend is going to be like why are you saying yummy all the time <laughs> <laughs> i don't <laughs> it's totally my signature statement right i'm, I'm gonna start <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna start saying that yeah yummy and icky i mean it, it's so funny and it's it's those are two phrases that connect us all. Because I think, you know, one of the, the reasons why people may not even go to therapy or get involved is a lot of the terminology seems so foreign to us. It's almost like ordering a drink at Starbucks is like a bente, mocha, grande. Right. Like, what? Like, I don't know what that is. I'm old. I don't want to learn a new language. And right. so yummy and icky, you know, it, it brings us right back to, uh, you know, our, our you know, when we were kids, is, is there something nostalgic and comforting about right. even using those words? Um, and so, so simple, right? Yes. All of us can relate to it, whether you're a little teeny kid or, or the little kid in you now that maybe you've forgotten has such a strong voice inside, you know? Yeah. How old were you when you uh, attempted? When I had a shotgun under my chin? Yes. yes. <laughs> I was 25 years old. Wow. And what, what made you, how did you move past that? What, what brought you to that moment? And then how did you move past that? Well, they, it's really the kind of the catalyst story that starts my book, really. But what um, I was involved in an abusive relationship, a man I was addicted to, couldn't seem to get out, out of that relationship. And I had the one and only time I left my children from my previous marriage for my marriage um i i had my children and i'd left them with him to go help my mother in a custard shop and when i came home i knew something was wrong and um my and my son's hand hands had been burned my my boyfriend had burned my son's hands and i could not 
live with that reality. It was one thing when it was me, right? And I mean, there was just no place to put that. It, you know, it, and I took took them to the hospital, everything, and and um, my children were child services took the kids away from me. And um, luckily, their dad was able to take them. So you know that I knew they were in good hands. And I drove to my coke dealer's house, obviously an addict at the time, and because um, I knew he had kept a shotgun under his bed. And so I, I, that's what I went there for. And I, you know, put it under my chin and I tried to pull the trigger. I pulled as hard as I could and it just wouldn't move. And finally I just crumpled to the floor. I just, I can't even do this right, you know? And I had the thought come to me while I was just a mess right there. Call the House of Hope, which was a treatment center I knew about because my sister had been there and she, you know, tried to get sober and failed and but it was the only place I knew about where somebody might be able to change their whole life, you know? And I called and turned out I qualified for the program. <laughs> and I, and so I, I went, I, I checked, I checked myself in there. And um, the very first morning um, in the shower, I had this amazing experience where I, I felt like what like the water was liquid love flowing through my veins and i realized that something greater than myself this divine love wanted me to be happy i felt completely okay and forgiven in that, those moments in the shower and i knew i was being given a second chance and so i i made the declaration to myself that i was going to change my whole life no matter what and i wasn't going back and so I began the journey of, of, like I was saying earlier, taking a look at what, what my thinking was, the programs in my mind, and questioning what I believed to be true against the reality of the present moment. If I'm okay, is this still true? In this present moment, is that really true? And gradually forgiving all of these different events that had happened in my life, um, and forgiving myself along with them and coming to really love myself. Did I answer the question? Absolutely. Can you <laughs> walk me through that question of if I'm okay, is this still true? Can you break that down for me and bring more clarity to that? Yeah, sure. You know, so for instance, if I, if I had um, a situation where I was telling myself that <clears throat> I let's say I couldn't go to college or something, maybe, you know, you can't do that. You can't, you know, okay, why can't I do that? So it, it requires, in order to not, to not take an action that might be in my benefit that I might've shied away from before, I ha there has to be a certain set of beliefs that I have about myself that make that an impossible move for me. So um, it, and they're all beliefs that say, I'm not okay. I'm not worthy. But if I bring myself back to that presence where I can feel that unconditional love inside myself. And I know that I'm okay in this present moment. If I'm not dragging the past in there and I'm not anticipating the future in this present moment, aren't I okay? This moment. Yeah. Yeah. This moment I'm, I'm perfectly fine. So is it true that I can't do that? Is it true that this belief that I've never, um, my dad told me I wasn't ever going to measure up. Is that still true for me today? In this present moment, 
is there anything to measure up against? No, there's not. Because in this present moment, this is all there is. And in this present moment, I am full and complete and whole. Why do I want to drag that that those old beliefs from the past? And if they're if they're past, they don't really exist. They're imagination, right? They're imagination. Why do I want to drag imagination that feels icky with me? Can I let it go? Is there some kind of reparation I need to do in order to, you know, like do I owe an amends to someone in order to let that past be in the past? Do I owe an amends to myself? in order to let that past be in the past? Is there something I tell him, I'm telling myself I can't live with, like my boyfriend burning my son's hands, right? Um, it, can, can I be present if I'm still feeling um, burdened by this thing I think I can't forgive myself? Can I, find, can I find in my heart the way to forgive myself now? Yes, in this present moment, I can let it go. I might have to do that a hundred times, right? I might have to. But um, but each time I zero into the present moment on every single t- thing. Is this true? Well, if it comes from the past, I, it can only be true in this present moment if I'm dragging it in there and making that past the reality right now. This The present moment is fresh and clean and brand new. And it doesn't... I don't have to drag anything there unless I decide that I want that burden. I don't want that burden. It doesn't feel yummy. You know, a lot, so many people go into a place like the house of hope or rehab facilities. And what I find is the transition out of is such a huge challenge, right? Mm -hmm. That first week, that first maybe 30 days where now you're not in this controlled setting what were some of the things that if you recall that you were purposeful and intentional about once you left the house of hope uh, first i'm assuming that was a place that you stayed for a while or was yeah. it just a yeah. day so when, when yeah. you what were some of the things that they or skills that they instilled or taught you and then how did you manage that first 30 days now you're free and you know, I mean, free, but now you're not in that facility. What did that look like? So, um, as you know, I I tried to do all the recommended things. Well, first off, I met I met someone who I thought was had everything I wanted. Right? You know, I'd heard her speak at a meeting that first outside meeting. Her name was Betty, and and um, she she used to have her signature um, pitch at the end of her of every pitch was "Live Life, I Dare You." And I loved that about her, and and so I I I called her my Yoda, and and I st- so I started working with her, and I met with her, you know, right as I was getting out of the house, and I met with her at least weekly, and and just um, spent hours just, you know, I, I there I just dumped anything that I thought you know whatever story I was running at the time or anything like that, and sifted through it with someone who didn't judge me. Because <laughs> love is lack of judgment, right? And so, and and so, I was able to go. Oh, the judgment doesn't match up with this love. Just to bring us back to the last, the other thing you wanted me to expand on, judgment doesn't match up with love, and so it's not real. 
Judgment's something that we do to ourselves and other people, right? But it's not necessary. There's only something wrong because we say there's something wrong, you know? So so I, I worked with Betty a lot and she became a, a really important figure in my life. But also I did all those things that we, we recommend, like, you know, um, 90 meetings in 90 days, for instance, you know, going to the AA meetings and, and, um, and just began to make a whole new set of friends. I didn't go back to a, the old haunts of my previous life. There was really nothing I wanted to keep from my previous life. <laughs> right. And, um, and I began to make reparations with, with the people that I felt like, um, you know, I had be, I had betrayed, including myself. So what and I hear so, you, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So, go ahead. So, and so, and so I just began, I, I quit telling myself I should be further along. Oh, I've wasted so much time, you know, being in this shitty relationship, you, you know, getting high, whatever, you know, and uh, I quit telling myself that it's past. That it doesn't matter what I did before. What can I do right now? I quit telling myself I should be further along. And just what what can I do right now that may, feels loving towards me? Okay, maybe it's going to be a temp job until I find something else that matches my experience better. Maybe it's going to be, you know, whatever little steps. And then just really celebrating those right on, Danae. You're you're doing great, you know. Just really celebrating those things, and and then and being willing to to stand up and have my own voice about the groovy things that I was doing, instead of waiting for the really great groovy all star moment that I would I thought I needed in order to be a valid human being in this world. I I championed myself for the amends I made today, the great job I did at the at the office today, or you know, whatever. And I shared it with another human being. Got that double pat in the back, you know. And those little ways that I said, you know, Danae, I really love you now. And I'm not gonna walk away from you anymore. Those were the things I think that really made it hold for me. I love that I'm not gonna walk away from you anymore. Uh you're using so many words that <laughs> Uh, yummy, icky, and groovy. I mean, I feel like that's a that's a, another book right there because <laughs> one of the things I've been working on, and and I recognize that so many people struggle with is celebrating themselves, celebrating mm -hmm. their wins, celebrating the tiny steps, the progress, the advancements, the the ways in which their their lives are lit up, the way they're. You know, yeah. just being grateful, the fact that you could touch your toes or blink or swallow or, or you know, stretch out or all these things that we can celebrate. Um, yes. I, I, you know, because part of that conditioning is don't don't brag about yourself. Be humble. But that, but right? being humble doesn't mean not to celebrate yourself, not to pat yourself on the back. Right. The ego bra brags, but love celebrates. Mm. The ego <laughs> brags, but love celebrates. Wait, first of all, hold up. Stop, stop, stop everything. Turn, turn the music down. Um, what is your, what would you get your degree in? Because you have such a way with words 
that, um, I mean, it's almost the advertisement to do cocaine. Like, it, it, did you did you learn all this on the cocaine? Like, no, like, not like cocaine. <laughs> you know, I would say, I, I, I think that mostly that my, my conversation comes from embracing who I really am and letting myself be real about that. I do, I did do, you know, some, it's a, I did some work, um, schooling with psychology and social work and, and, but I really, uh, the, when I was doing, working for the psychiatric world, I, I was doing addiction counseling. And then I just, I became a, a metaphysical minister and I, just basically did, um, you know, like life coaching and just let my conversation come from that. And the other thing is, and I want to make a point about this because, you know, you said, how did I handle? Well, right off the bat with Betty, she told me to make an appointment with God first thing in the morning and keep it. And you'd mentioned that when you were talking about me at the beginning and you, that's what, how my, what the book coffee with the divine came out of really was those morning visits and it's been 40 years i've never missed a date with the divine i get up at three o'clock in the morning i'm woken up by i don't know what and i just have that feeling like oh my god i can't wait to see what's gonna happen today <laughs> it's just and and i just spend that time basking in 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 the reality that love is who i am and that it's a friendly universe that wants me to be happy. And when that, as I let that flow through my, through my body and, and I just sit with that in the morning, it's the right way to start your day. I start my day in love, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. And I'm not moving from my yummy room until I'm completely filled up with love and I have something to give. Wow. That's such a beautiful thing. And for so many people out there in relationships, I mean, the a lot of times, you know, we feel pulled by our partner and setting boundaries so that we can have our yummy time, right? The, mm-hmm. the kids have demands, the, the partner has demands, our work has demands, and a lot of us will sacrifice our yummy time to make sure that everyone else is okay. And right. then we run out of time for ourselves. And then that builds into resentment, bitterness, anger. And then that's where the addiction. And we feel depleted because we aren't filling ourselves up first. Yes. Right. And the most loving thing, if you want to, if you want to be truly like, I love doing things for other people. Right. I love it. But if I, if I'm not taking responsibility for my primary, the primary care of my life, which is my spirit, which is my soul, my heart, then everything that I'm doing for you is, um, it's, it's coming from a kind of like, um, I'm depleting myself, you know? And if I want, if I want to give wholeheartedly, I need to have a whole heart. So, you know, and for me, I mean, because this has been my, my thing, this commitment to myself and the divine to, I, my kids have grown up with this idea that you, this is how you spend your morning. <laughs> Mom spends her morning. And even when they were little, they'd come into my yummy room. I'd be still meditating or whatever. And they just come in there. They still come in sometimes when they, they're visiting or something. I just want to be in this yummy space and just breathe this air, and just get this peace, you know, because it's consecrated. How have you, you know, that could be, I would imagine, so traumatic for a child to have 
you know, an adult burn their hands and, and then for you to go through the process of connecting with yourself and facing yourself, how have you been able to communicate with your kids so that there is an, there is a reestablishment of connection? What, what did that, did you, did you all go to therapy together? Did you journal? Like what was the process of reconnection? Well, as, as you know, they were pretty young. He was only two years old. But um, so my two oldest children were that that were around at that time. They were pretty young. And um, and as as we began to spend time together again, you know, pretty regularly, their dad's a really groovy dude. So, um, you know, as soon as it looked like my life was getting together, we made regular visits and then they got longer and longer. But we talked. Nothing was off the table. I didn't try to decide the kids weren't old enough to know stuff. If they had a question, they were going to get the, the true answer. And because I was, I, because shame is so toxic to our to our souls, that part of my primary work and what I think is so crucial for all of us is to recognize that squeezing and that kind of sick feeling inside when you feel ashamed. Shame means that you've abandoned yourself. It's 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 shame means that you you walked away you know like we just talked about and you're thinking that that by beating up on yourself by not not loving yourself through this that you you you're feeding that unworthiness inside but but so what i as i anytime i felt that feeling of shame i knew that i needed to face what is it that's going on here? What am I telling myself about myself when I'm feeling this shame right now? You know, and a lot of times it'd be like, I never should have done that in the past, right? Well, is the past here right now? Is there something you can do with it today? Can you put a pin in it? No, it's nowhere. But right in this present moment, I can be whole and I can forgive myself. I did the best I could. It was a shitty job. <laughs> but it got me to exactly the pace I am right now, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And and so that that I could I could start to dispel that. And sometimes I just work with the energy. There's no that kind of free floating shame we sometimes have. Just feeling that where the where the tightening was, where the sickening feeling aside was, and just recognizing that energy and letting love flow up just breathing it through and letting it move the energy out with the determination that I no longer wanted to be someone ashamed, but someone that had courage. And so when I did, when I it was engaged with my children, that came up to me, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm get, having a little bit of shame right now for being a shitty mom before. And that's not you guys' problem. You know, I'd just be that honest with them. Be like, don't, you know, okay. So that's where that was coming from for me. And, and, and then letting them ask questions or whatever. And over the years, we just developed more and more. All of my kids are pretty much my best friends. And definitely I am theirs. I hear you, you speak so much about breath work and, and sensory techniques um, and feeling yourself and moving it from your head back into your heart. In terms of sensory techniques, you know, I would imagine, especially having kids, there's probably been a lot of talk with, you know, were you feeling the anger or the frustration? You know, kids yeah. have so many, they're so emotive. And um, unfortunately, that usually gets, um, you know, conditioned out of them. 
Um, and what other sensory techniques do you incorporate or, or methods? Right. Well, um, because because I feel like the breath is such a powerful sensory technique. You know, if you if you're focused on your breath, you're in the present moment, right? If you want to get out of your thinking, get into your breathing, right? And so, um, but I've also I, I feel like anything that brings you into the present moment, you know, it's like okay, I can feel my 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 butts on the chair, right? My feet are on the ground. I can feel okay. Where do where do I feel? tightening in there can i can i breathe into that and loosen it up a little can i first accept that it's tight okay yeah now i can breathe into it you know and using a combination of self self talk self discovery and self release so um and and you know i've i've done a lot of things like you know working with uh, like for a while i was a um a, 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 a what they call a rebirther so I got into all the different breath work because it was, it was such a powerful thing and, and with yoga and, and, um, but I feel like the, um, uh, there's other things like, for instance, letting go, uh, one technique that I, I used early on and I'll often hear myself, I'll be working with somebody and I'll be like, okay, pick up that pencil right now, right? You pick up the pencil, now let it go. That's how letting go is. You can't almost let it go. You either drop the pencil or you don't, you know? And so just using even little techniques like that, right? So that you can physically experience the release that you're trying to have. Because release is really what it's about where you're talking about emotions that are feeling icky, right? You want to release those. You're resisting what is, and that's why you feel icky. You know, that, that resonates so much. I was in... Belize recently and they had these jade these jaguar carvings uh out of jade stone I, I think it was the Mayans who carved mm -hmm. these and I remember going to pick one up and it was like the size of my hand and it was so heavy it was like a hundred pounds like jade stone is extremely heavy and but I remember thinking when I picked it up how wonderful it would be to have this as a paperweight because when I do feel heavy, overwhelmed, the physical act of picking up something so Beautiful. heavy and then placing it down, it, it, it kind of signals to my brain to go ahead and release Beautiful. or even placing my hands in cold water uh, or nice. my feet in cold water or, you know, walking on a, a sandy beach, all these sensory things yes. that because like, once again, we're so covered in clothes and things and scents and um you know we got our noise canceling headphones on right. so we can't determine the, the the sound and texture of things um we have to get back yeah. to that get back to the yeah. body yeah in a lot of your story you shared you know doing breath work making amends grounding ourselves into our body um you know, to self-talk and, and asking questions and coming into awareness, having a mentor, you have, you know, you had your, your Yoda kind of guide you through mm -hmm. things. Um, was there any other, and then also, you know, checking yourself into a facility, you called and asked for yeah. help. Is there any other part of your journey that has helped you uh, move forward, find hope, find strength that we haven't discussed? Well, I would just say, 
that a lot of of healing is about also um, the 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 next part is in some way generally whether you do it um, specifically like I did with with coaching other people or just by nature of your friendships you find that as you heal at least I, I've seen this with most people and with myself there's a an innate desire to then give it away right so you start helping other people you find yourself and I'm not talking about diagnosing other people and telling them what they're doing wrong with their lives I mean you see that shit sometimes too but um but I'm talking about that thing that happens inside of us is a yummy gratitude feeling that almost feels too big to hold and then it's like the universe brings someone in your life and you see a little piece of old Danae on that person and you go hey you know when yesterday Danae was just like this you know and or or Oh, I used to do a similar thing, but then I had this experience and you find yourself um, passing the baton, I like to call it, to someone else. And, and the cycle keeps going so that, so that it, it's really the way we heal the world, I think. Yeah. Where are you from, Danae? Um, well, I was born in Laramie, Wyoming. I have a oh. twin brother. And, and, um, but I lived in Utah most of my life. And this this book, Baptized by Love, the stories take place in Utah, most of them. And yeah. um, and now I live in Los Lunas, New Mexico. It's a little small community just south of Albuquerque, New Mexico, because my husband and I are kind of empty nesters now. Wow! And, and so now you're you're rediscovering your relationship between each other. I have so many friends going through that empty nest, or it's they're anticipating they're like a year or two. From that and the anxiety amongst all the parents is, is <laughs> so it's so funny to hear them talk and, and you know yeah the excitement well, and also the fear. Well, we're 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 loving. I mean, we both are still working. I mean, I'm I'm doing this thing and and he's still working, but and he has stage four kidney cancer, and um, that's been a groovy journey too. And I do talk a little bit about that towards the end of the book because it's what reality is right now you know and the grace with which we have accepted that experience and made it and just wrapped our love around it has been really powerful for us too and so um that's that's kind of who would have guessed that's what our empty nesting would look like right <laughs> I, I love that we, so, we so, wouldn't miss it because tell, tell people where they can find you and, and okay. all the things plug all your things all right. Well, I'm right now I'm promoting my new book, Baptized by Love, How I Found Present Joy and Never Let It Go. And um, you can find it on, uh, you know, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, some of the independent bookstores. I'm, I'm listed with the independent bookstores. And um, you can find me on my website, theyummyway.com, of course. <laughs> and and there you can either there or any of the, the podcast platforms, you can find my podcast. It's the Emory Ray podcast. And let's see, or you can reach out to, I, I'm on Facebook. It's um, Danae Palmer. And I also have living the Emory Ray Facebook group on there. And um, let's see what else. Um, and I'm on Instagram, Danae, the Emory Ray on Instagram. And, um, and you can, you can always, always email me at Danae at the Emory I love it. And we'll have a link for that in the show notes. 
Uh, and then last question to Danae. Yes. Because um, I always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life. Before yes. you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Danae Palmer? Look yourself in the eye first and find a place where you can experience some love. If you have to borrow it from your the children you love, anything like that, look yourself in the eye. Face yourself. Face yourself right now. Give yourself a chance and then reach out to another human being. Anyone, anyone. Grab somebody at the bus stop if you need to and share your truth with another human being. Don't let yourself be alone. Face yourself and then be with someone else. I love that. Don't let yourself be alone. And the power of saying grab anyone, even at a bus stop, is, yeah. is to say that it, it doesn't have to be a, a PhD or PsyD right. or, or a credentialed professional. Just connecting with another human being lets us know we're not alone. Thank you, Danae. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, whether you go to the House of Hope, whether you talk to somebody at a bus stop. Uh, or whether you call the 1-800-S-U-I-C-I-D-E or 1-800-273-TALK. And if you're you know, in Mexico or Budapest or uh, Kiev, wherever you are in the world, there are international suicide hotline numbers for you. You can talk, you can chat, you can text. Uh, you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Danae. Thank you so much. It's been a joy.